Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. And thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture, and these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Every year, the Aspen Institute College Excellence Program names the nation's top 150 community colleges eligible to compete for the $1 million Aspen Prize for Community College Excellence, the nation's signature recognition of high achievement and performance among America's community colleges. Based on strong and improving student outcomes, including learning, completion rates, employee rates, and earnings, and equity, 15% of community colleges nationwide have been invited to apply for the Aspen Prize this year. One of our partners, South Louisiana Community College, was named a top 150 community college and was selected from a pool of nearly 1,000 public two-year colleges nationwide using publicly available data on student outcomes. Congratulations to Chancellor Harder and SLCC colleagues for achieving this distinguished recognition. Today, I've invited Dr. Natalie Harder, Chancellor of South Louisiana Community College, SLCC, to join me on the show. Dr. Harder has led her team at SLCC through a historic merger of the college with multiple campuses and successfully blended culture, systems, processes, programs, and students, all while maintaining a focus on making education available to everyone. I'm excited to have Dr. Harder share her story and how she builds what she calls kick-ass leadership teams. It's great to have one of the best leaders and my good friend on the show today. Thank you. So let's start with, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about who you are and and your background. Sure. Uh, I think one of the interesting things about me is that although I'm a, a college CEO, I didn't start off in academia. Oftentimes, Uh, People uh, start out as faculty members or in student services and work their way to that position. But I actually started out in economic development and then I went into higher ed through the advancement side of the house uh, and then found my way to being a community college chancellor. So I do think that gives me a unique perspective because I've never had to not demonstrate ROI and so I think that that lens, it, it, it makes the office a little different than it might have been if someone had come up through a traditional academic trajectory. You know, Natalie, as you talk about that, you know, I've found with organizations I work with, that's becoming more the norm than not. I mean, as you begin to think about, or if I look at some of the best leaders that I work with in the executive position, you know, they're, they're, they might have been in academics, but they've also had another experience before they get to that president. Um, presidency Mm -hmm. you know so are you finding that as well like across community colleges or higher ed that that that's becoming more of a norm or is it at the at the beginning of something that we'll see in the future I think it's a mixed bag right now I think that there are a number of presidencies or chancellorships that have failed with external individuals and a number that have thrived Uh, Similar to seeing uh, people from a traditional higher ed perspective ending up in the CEO role failing because of of bad fit. So, and and I think part of that relates to that higher ed is just in in a disruptive environment right now. And so I think, you know, boards are trying to figure out really what what is going to work going forward. 
many of them recognizing that what worked in the past isn't gonna isn't gonna get them there. So I think they're they're trying to figure it out. But I, I do think there is an advantage when you have had to spend the majority uh, of the time of your career having to prove your worth, uh, not not taking that for granted when you end up in the in the CEO position. Yeah, I think I hear you, and I think that's really, I think about my journey of starting in education, moving into leadership in a higher education institution, and then in business, you know, and it's um, get, achieving results and, and basically showing a return on investment back into the organization based on the dollars invested in the work you know, just becomes part of your DNA. And I think what I hear you say is, it's just kind of been part of your DNA from the time that you started in your profession. Is that right? Oh, I would say absolutely, absolutely. There's, and it's, and it's brings that, that questioning just to the culture of higher ed. It's the, why do we do this? And, and what is the nature of the work that you do? And a lot of times, um, people aren't asked that question, particularly in public higher education, but you can't avoid it going forward. So it's it's an advantage to have that in your toolbox is something that you've used you know, for decades as you're trying to, to transform an institution. Yeah, so speaking of that, let's give our listeners a little bit of, of the background on the state of affairs of SLCC. You've gone through mergers and you've had to focus on people and culture as you've gone through that. Uh, not not many people have gone through, I think, what you're, you all have gone through and what you've led people through, although I think it's going to become more typical than atypical yeah. in the future. So tell us a little bit about, about your experience and what that was like. Sure. So uh, I think to start with, to give you a little more understanding of my nature, I'm, I'm from uh, upstate New York, so I'm a Yankee, and I ended up in the very deep south where what might have been my traditional norms of looking at outcomes and that ROI that I mentioned had to, had to make way for the value of relationships and a, and a culture that, that where relationships trumps everything else. Performance doesn't matter, affiliations don't matter. I mean, it is about relationships. And, and a lot of times politics, but I don't think that's, that may, I don't think that's particularly unusual. No. Not so much. <laughs> right. And so I went into an environment where uh, leading a community college um, that was struggling both in terms of enrollment and finances, and four months after I started, we merged with another two-year institution that was struggling with enrollment and finances, and sort of layered on top of that was the culture of the only thing that matters is the relationship employees have with each other. And it was a recipe for um, continued decline. And so we worked very hard uh, the first three years to, to generate a sense of urgency about our financial situation, our enrollment situation, but the relationship issue continued to, to trump um, our outcomes, particularly with respect to students. And so I, at one point, had to take a step back and say, am, am I doing this right? Am I really understanding the way that people are thinking and approaching this work? Because I, I seem to just be living in a world of directives and mandates, and I don't have have the hearts kind of working with that with the hands that that I've got. 
And so uh, we, about three years in, you know, uh, realized that we needed to do things different and we're fortunate um, in that case to have been, I, I was a, became a friend of a hospital CEO who was using Studer uh, in, in their work and their management and their leadership. And when he exposed me to that, I said, oh my gosh, I think this might be the framework that we need. And so my, my executive team was willing to take on sort of a new approach to strategic planning where everybody was in the boat and, and we were either gonna sink or we were gonna move <laughs> yeah. forward. And we've been fortunate to, to move forward. Yeah, and very courageous of you at, at the time to, uh, to do that. I, um, I always tell people the work that I've been able to, to do and had the opportunity to do in higher education, you know, we work with some good institutions, but it's <laughs> the, the individuals who want to work with, with us are leaders like you who have the courage, you know, who, who instead of, you could have just kind of continued to plow through with your own way of doing things, but you were reflective and really looked at what the people needed and had the courage to, you know, to do something that you thought was meaningful and worthwhile, and boy, has it been, you know, it really has been. Um, so tell us, just to take a few minutes and tell us about What's the mission, vision, and purpose and goals of SLCC today? Right. Well, the, the exciting thing for us is in the process that I just referenced, we really did this, this whole planning, this whole sort of new institutional approach from the ground up. And so our faculty and staff, you know, pulled together our, our mission and our vision, and, it, and it's focused on things that you often hear from a student education perspective great place to, to work, excellent place to learn, you know, focused on one another. And so I'm not sure that our, I, I think words are extremely important, but what has mattered to me is the cadence of action that we have taken um, after we built the mission and vision so we could really fulfill what I think is our purpose. Louisiana is 48th or 49th every year in educational attainment in this country. I, my institution covers 6,200 square miles, nine parishes, and, and there is just such poverty, such lack of education, and I feel it's our, it's our mandate, it's our, it's our moral imperative to educate and train as many people as we possibly can, and not just to say that we trained them and check a box, but to do something that means that they're gonna move up in life, that they're gonna improve the standards of themselves and their families. And so that, that really is what drives us institutionally on a day-to-day -day basis. And the, the heart that, that our employees have to do that, to recognize that it's not just the, you know, their friends, children's, or their own family members, it's who they sit next to in church. It's who they see in the grocery stores. That is who we are responsible for. And so the so making it an excellent place to work is what is what helps build the foundation for us to really go out and, and serve our communities the best of our abilities. Yeah, and, and you um, have done that and you talk about doing that, building that type of culture and the execution of doing of the strategy work with building kick ass leadership teams, you know. So can you tell us, you know, what does that mean to you? What, what's it, what does it take, you know, to build those teams? I think, and this is, was part of my learning, Janet, 
was that if you are not, you in your whatever leadership role you have, you model for those looking at you excellence or not. And so, you know, it starts with me. I, I recognize my responsibility in that. But then I also have to have the people who directly report to me as excellent as they can possibly be. And, and I was never, I'm not saying I was, I was, I'm perfect at it yet. And in the beginning, I stumbled. I would, I would give people more time or I would say, oh, they just have to learn this or if they could just figure out how to do that. And I was failing to serve the rest of the institution by allowing individuals on my own team not to be the highest performers that they could be. And the fact is that if you're not the highest performer that you can be on my team, you're not gonna succeed in the long run. So I wasn't really doing you any favors either. So I would say to you now, I'm relentless about it. And, and, and that sounds hard, but then the softer side is like, I feel like it's dating when you're grown up, like you can smell it. In a couple of weeks, whether you guys are have the same values, have the same focus or not. And so it's because I don't know that I'm able to ferret all things out during the interview process. People, people can look good on paper, they're great interviewers, they've got amazing references, they say all the right things. And then a couple weeks in, you're like, you know what, that kind of slipped a little, you get one more chance. Uh, if something slips again, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't think this is gonna work, and third strike, you're out. I, and I just, I'm relentless about it. And I think that, that that is the key, because it just cascades after that, because that excellence, then the people that report to them, they're gonna expect that same level of excellence all the way throughout the organization to the ground level. There was an individual you had um, at, a, at a previous DHP, and he said, if you're not directly taking care of students, take care of someone who is. That's, mm -hmm. that's exactly what I need to do, is be relentless in ensuring that everyone that cares for, for people who are touching students or who are, who are not directly doing that is of the, is of the highest level. So if you were to look back at my tenure in terms of how many people I have moved off of my executive committee, moved around my executive committee, who've self-selected to get off of my executive committee, I, I would bet you that there's no other college that has seen that much change, but it just, poor performance can't stand. Yeah. It, you know, even, or hot, good performance and low values can't stand. You just have got to be relentless about it. Yeah, and I, you know, I go back to the, to the word courage again. It's my learning, you know, as I've been in the field working with people like you and, you know, looking at, at every aspect of the organization together, you know, because, I mean, we don't come in with, with answers, we come in with how do we generate the right conversations, looking at data and make good decisions. And you're right, when, when you have people on that executive team who aren't fulfilling their obligation and being the best leaders that they can or making the commitment to do the things they need to do to grow, um, and if they make that commitment and grow, that's great. If they still make that commitment and can't grow, you know, they, they still don't have that opportunity um, to, to continue to be at that leadership level because we can't afford it, right? I think that's what I hear. You know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's the people that we work with 
who matter and our students um, who matter. And if we're letting people at that executive level slide, then we've not done our jobs. And that's what, is that right, what I hear you say? Janet, there's a, a great quote that the culture of any organization is set by the worst behavior the leader tolerates. Mm. And, and whatever you let slide, everyone else will expect that they can have slack on that level of performance or that value too. It just doesn't work. You will, and you look like you're talking out of both sides of, my, of your mouth. Oh, I expect this, but not for my own people. It, it just, you, you, either, you either commit to it 100% or you can expect to never reach um, the levels of success that your students really need. Yeah. So let's um, let's close today. Just continuing the conversation, if you were providing our listeners some advice as we're working on improvement and performance excellence within organizations, uh, coming from somebody like you, strong leader, has had the courage to make those difficult decisions and seeing phenomenal results in your institution, you know, what advice do you give people, um, leaders or others out there, to uh, to, to, to make sure that they do the right thing for their organizations and their people. What would you say, Natalie? I think you have to self-reflect and be 100% honest with yourself. I, I, I use the phrase open kimono. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you do it with yourself, sometimes you do it with others, but in this case, I think you really have to ask yourself, am I being, am I being true to the values that, that we agreed upon for this institution? and requiring the highest level of performance for everyone on my team. If you can model that, then everyone after you will model it as well. And I, and I think you've got nowhere to go but, but to the success line. So I, I would really self-reflect and say, am I letting anybody slide? Am I, am I saying things are okay when really in my gut I'm like, that can't be okay? Uh, if, if you can hold to that, and move people out when it's not working for the institution, I, I, it, it'll be great. Yeah, thank you. One of the highlights of my work over the last years have been the opportunity to work with you. I have uh, learned from you, uh, love working by you and your team, love South Louisiana Community College, love the people there. Oh, it's one of the highlights of my year when I get to c come and visit you all and get an opportunity to sit and talk with your executive team and learn together. So thank you for being with us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. I, I appreciate it, Jenna, and it, it wouldn't be tr fair for me to thank you without truly thanking you because it was your leadership that helped me personally along this journey. So our college is where it is because of you, so thanks. Thank you, very meaningful. As you start your week, reflect on one thing you learned from Dr. Harder today and turn that one thing into action. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. I look forward to connecting with you next week as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.